0: All right, the last one was easy, but just going off the chimney, over the fence, hit the car
1: window, all net. Yeah, right, sure.
0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to No Easy Buckets. This is our, uh, I guess, episode two of our NBA season preview. Episode numbers don't really matter anymore, really. We're just going to do, I guess it's going to be our Western Conference preview. Uh,
1: Specifically, and of course, I'm joined by Blake. What's up, dude? What's up, man? What's up, man? It's uh, basketball is back. We are uh, we're gonna push out a lot of content this week. Mm -hmm. I cannot wait to get into this season, man.
0: I'm so so excited for Tuesday. There's some uh, was it OKC, Golden State, and then uh, Boston, Philly, which uh, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to watch all the games all the way through. Got it's pretty early out here, the first start, but. Still gonna, you know, I love those opening games on TNT.
1: When I came back, uh, when I came back out to California to to hang out and kind of do a podcast with you, we were watching a, a Monday night football game at like five PM. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's it's like yeah, it's like three forty-five here. Usually, Monday night starts at five. You know, the NBA, like Eastern Conference games on the uh early slate starts at like four usually during the season. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, because it's like seven out there. I mean, it's it's pretty nice if you have a job or a schedule that lends you to like get out early, you know, like come in early, leave early type thing. So it's pretty nice for that. Like it's the, I would say it's the best time zone to, for sports junkies.
1: Yeah. It's, there's no question. That's why, yeah. that's why everybody wants to be in LA when it turned in terms of like sports media, because sure. you can cover everything. I mean, I, uh, going to the Eastern conference uh, or like going to like a lot of those games uh, this past year when I was in either in, in Pittsburgh driving up to the Cavs games and stuff like that. It's like I, I don't wanna stay up until <laughs> one AM watching like Golden Portland State, Yeah, Portland Bears. Golden State or something yeah. like that. It's just not what I want to do. It's
0: tough. It's tough. Yeah. That's why I mean, especially with LeBron being out here, it's gonna be a whole like the new you know, it, it, the news cycle is gonna be like it, it you know, it's gonna be spurred off of like those West Coast games. So it's gonna be pretty it's gonna be pretty fun. It's gonna be an interesting year, and that's kind of why we want to jump in and like really break it down for you. We're gonna do kind of our the structure of this, uh, and it'll be the same for the Eastern Conference, which will be on Tuesday uh, of the you know the opening week of the NBA. It's uh, we're gonna of give you our top four. We're gonna discuss it, each of us, and then we're gonna do the you know five through eight, discuss that, and give you a couple little tidbits about the non-playoff teams. If anything stands out, anything that we see could be a sleeper run, things like that. Just you know, anything to you know, anything to write home about. So, well, let's get into it. And uh, Blake, just go ahead and give me your top four.
1: And All right. So, my. I'll give you. Yeah, I'll give you my top four. I do have a couple of uh, hot takes in the top four. So I'm just going to jump into it. Why, why wait? Why wait? Uh, so, no question about the first one. Warriors at one, mm-hmm. followed by the Rockets at two. No questions there. But here's where I jump. And it's the hot take of the year. The Utah Jazz Mm. at number three, followed by LeBron and the L.A. Lakers.
0: Okay, okay. So you got upstart Jazz up there in the top three. Mine's actually pretty similar. I have Golden State one, Houston Rockets two. I have the Lakers at three and the Thunder at four. Uh, Uh, Our difference is you have – you know, Lakers are both in there, but we have the Thunder – you have the Jazz, two teams that played in the first round last year. And, you know, the Jazz kind of, I mean, they were the hotter team, but still people thought they would probably lose in the seven-gamer to OKC, but they took it to them. I think it was like six games, maybe even five. Uh, I think it was five, actually. Yeah. And, uh, you know, easy work with them. Uh, they're getting a lot of love this year. They're uh, The Jazz are kind of the
1: darling. Yeah, the, the Jazz are getting a lot, of, a lot of love. And I think that – so, I mean, we, we know out, outside of the Warriors and the Rockets, I think it could mm-hmm. fall anywhere. But uh, I think what kind of hit home for me with the Jazz um, was I think Donovan Mitchell is going to, like, take a, a notch up. And I think, he, I think he's an all-star in year two, averaging, like, anywhere between 22 to 25 points a game.
0: Yeah, I think that's – it's for them to be that, for them to be a three seed, I think that has to happen. I mean, yeah. I think Mitchell has to be a no-doubt all-star. He has to pick up where he left off and, you know, become even more efficient. I mean, he wasn't inefficient last year because he was, like, their number one option, so it was more like a we need you to take more uh, more shots because it just – our offense runs better that way. Right. But I think for them to be an actual, like, bona fide three seed in a D, I would say a – deeper Western, like last year, the bottom end was, it was, everybody was close, but it wasn't like the talent at the end wasn't, you know, what it, what it could be this year. So um, I think you're right. I I think he has to, uh, uh, you know, be a bona fide all-star and my difference there, I actually have, I'll go ahead and give it to you. I have Utah at number five. Uh, You know, we'll talk about uh, my, you know, five through eight here in a minute, but I have them at five. And the reason is, I think there's a possible regression. I think there's a little bit of a, a worry for me that they may have hit their ceiling last year. Uh, You know, we saw what happened when Rubio went out. They struggled, uh, you know, after that. You know, he's even a tough player to rely on. I mean, he's not, you know, an all-star level player. Uh, You know, in the draft, they got Grayson Allen. You know, he's a a role player. He could do some things, but he's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be like a a Donovan Mitchell of last year. It's not going to be a guy that is going to have shades of an all-star in his game, I don't believe. Uh, they've had health concerns with Rudy Gobert. They brought back uh, Derek Favors. Um, I do like their depth. They're, really, they're a really solid team who's really well coached. But did my whole thing was, did they hit their ceiling last year? If it's a deeper Western Conference, are they going to get knocked off? Like, they had a big winning streak last year. Same with the Sixers. And if they don't have that similar, you know, I guess season arc this year, could they be more of a mediocre team in the middle of the pack?
1: Yeah, and and, and and I think the reason why they do, and it's <laughs> I don't want to sound like a Duke homer or anything like that, but I think Grayson and Allen and Dante Exum uh, are what get uh, outside of Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, uh, and you can even put Ricky Rubio in there. I think that Grayson and Allen and Dante Exum uh, end up having the season that most people won't think that they will. Grayson Allen, you know, being a, a four-year player at Duke, most people don't think that he can get any better, and they think that he's... Kind of topped out at where his game will go, but I think that um, having him come to the Jazz after being uh, playing four years with Duke, I think that he's more of a polished player than than most people would give him credit for. So, and and I actually have to to kind of put uh, this full circle. I actually have the Thunder at my sixties.
0: Okay, so similar similar there, and I'm going to have to say that your your Grayson Allen take does is a Duke Homer take. <laughs> it's I'm gonna, a Duke. I'm <laughs> No I mean he's he's a yeah there's possibilities there. I mean we've seen four year players like you know Michael Brogdon uh you know from UVA that came in and, and became like a rookie of the year with the Malcolm. Bucks, you know. It's players like that you kind of just think you know they're just like they're just you know journeyman type players but you know maybe he comes in and does take a bigger role on a team that doesn't have but one star right now. So uh but let's let's give a little bit of uh time to the top guys of course. uh Golden State and Houston that's that's kind of our uh, our our top two are mirrored. Do you think? And last year, Houston took the top seed. They had the big run. The you know, uh, 65 games. Uh, Golden State kind of struggled in the middle there. Obviously, they were a better team the whole season, but just kind of had that lull that those great teams tend to have. Do you think there's any potential for that this year, or do you think it's going to be one and two? Or Golden I think State?
1: it's going to be. I think it's going to be one and two. I think uh, uh, the Warriors had their off year last year, and and, and it's and it's funny to say that because. Uh, of how dominant they were, but I think that I think that the Warriors had their off year last year, where they kind of didn't know what they wanted. Uh, you know, it was kind of a lull yeah. period because, you know, what are we playing for? Uh, where where is the drive? Things like that. But I think the Warriors easily went over sixty games and, and go three and three in a row and four and five, proving not. They I think they actually make the case that when they do win this year. And I'll go ahead and say that because I don't even think that's a hot take. <laughs> I don't <laughs> um, think <so. laughs> That they make their case for potentially one of the greatest yeah. teams of all time.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's, you know, that's definitely not a hot take there. I think you're right. I think there's some motivating factors there there this year. You have Boogie, whenever he decides to come back, who's playing for a contract, who, you know, if he comes back earlier than later, depending on how their season goes, he could be a shot, a shot of adrenaline that, you know, could make them, uh, you know, even – more competitive towards the end of the season, depending on what seed they have locked up or how many wins they have. Clay Thompson's in a contract year. And while the news out of his camp that he's going to stay in Golden State, you know, even if he takes less than the max, it's still like, you know, he's a player that has a lot of pride. And, uh, I mean, he grew out his beard this year, so I could see a, a, an MVP season from
1: that. Let's go. <laughs> but,
0: uh, no, I mean, I, he is, it's a contract year. Draymond is, you know, one year away from that. Uh the whole talk has been who are they going to pay Claire Draymond? So I do think Draymond didn't have as across the board as good of a season as he had in the past last year. Right. A little bit, you know, he didn't shoot the ball well at all. So I could see him coming out wanting to have a little something to prove that he isn't the, you know, he, he doesn't believe himself to be the fourth best player there. They probably don't view it that way, but he wants to get the respect that he deserves probably wants to win another defensive player of the year. Uh, wants to get on an all NBA team, things like that. So I could see a lot of different motivating factors. And of course, KD, <laughs> the dude's always finding weird things to motivate him. He the most <laughs> passive, He's passive aggressive. He says things don't bother him yet. He points out exact things that happen on social media. He gets in fights with people on Instagram and Twitter. I mean, the guy is, I don't want to say insecure because that can be a strong term, but I feel like He, he's, he notices things. He's, he's aware of a lot of things, you know, it's fine. I mean, people, some people get affected by things differently. Like, I mean, there's no hate being thrown towards him, but I do believe there's going to be a lot of motivation there to go three in a row. Maybe he jumps ship and goes somewhere like you, you, you're a fan. You're in the camp that he goes with the Knicks. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of arrows pointing towards them blowing everybody out this year and being a 65, you know, you know, shades of that record-setting what seventy-two win team a couple yep. years ago.
1: So, yeah, no, and they're like kind of like you. I mean, you hit all the all the points there. I mean, there's too many things that they are playing for. You know, who did they pay, Draymond or Clay? And I think they ultimately <laughs> pay Clay. But I mean, there's too many motivating factors. But that doesn't discredit the Rockets and kind of what the no. team like what they are. I think the addition of Mello ends up working. I think, <laughs> I think him being such good friends with CP three. I think that um, CP3 kind of reins him in, and and, and they kind of. I'm, I'll do the hot take of the year. I think that Melo mainly is a three point specialist, playing zero defense. <laughs> but I think that he ends up shooting over forty percent from the line, from, from three. three. Yeah, not a hot. T- I think it not might be from line, not from the free throw line. Forty percent, not from the free. Yeah, not from the free throw line, but from the three point line. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that Eric Gordon. Th- I think Eric Gordon ended up starting as well. Eric Gordon yeah. will thrive and I think, do you think he and
0: Melo? do you think he and Mello kind of swap do you think Mello goes to the bench he goes to the starting starting rotation Absolutely. Or how do you think that works
1: no i think that i think that Eric Gordon will end up starting and mello will will kind of take a back seat and hopefully and this did not work in the experiment with uh, okc um but he is a bench player no matter what let's yeah. let's, let's let's try to push towards that six player six man of the year right <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know I think no, I do I, think that CP three and, and Clint Capella end up staying healthy all year, though. So you know that's going to be you know, a big, you know, go either way, right?
0: That's going to be the thing. Is if I think you know we've seen CP three get nicked up in the regular season every year, but they didn't they didn't really drop off last season. I think the things you have to be concerned with for the Rockets are if, there, if there's any hardened MVP regression. Like he finally got over the hump after basically two years, the two prior years being in the top two. Of the voting to finally get the win, and is that he's the, so far in the preseason it is what it is. But he seemed to be same level. But is there any regression there? Is there any settle you know complacency there? Does Chris Paul? If there is some complacency, does him and Chris Paul butt heads? I think that's something you have to worry about. And then with the with the role player exchanges they made in the season with like Trevor Ariza uh, and Emba uh, Mute uh, leaving not being brought back. I think there's some perimeter defensive questions that defense can always be something that leads to internal problems. Right. right. If, if there's certain play, especially with somebody like Chris Paul, if there's certain guys out there that aren't up to his standards of defensive, you know, intensity or whatever, if mellows out there letting people run by him, like there's some, there's some imploding potential there that you have to worry about with Houston.
1: No. Yeah. And I, and I completely agree. And, and going off of that imploding piece, um, if if Melo does in fact uh, try to be all that he can be, for lack of a better term, and the locker room kind of divides, I think CP3 ends up taking the Melo side, and the locker room completely divides down the middle. And, and there's a, a CP3 camp and a Harden camp, and I think they can can you know drop from the two seed all the way. I mean, they still obviously make the playoffs, but I mean that's yep. a whole different scenario.
0: Yeah, no, I mean there's yeah, there's still a playoff team, but there could be you never know what could happen there. Um, Mike D'Antoni's just like praying that none of this happened because <laughs> <No. laughs> he's like, we, I finally got a successful situation. You know, we're running things over here, him and Daryl Morey, just, you know, analytics, just three pointers and layups. And then they bring in Mello, which yeah. there's also some, and Bill Simmons talks a lot about this. He, I don't know if this is him knowing anything or just in NBA circles, but he keeps, he keeps mentioning some Jimmy Butler last minute trade potential here. Maybe if Minnesota starts the first couple of weeks of the season out and it's just a absolute dumpster fire, like people are like, they came out today that Butler's telling the fans, bring on the booze. I don't care. I'm going to thrive in it. Like it could be a very bad situation there. And if, if if Miami doesn't pony up or they decide to drop back off and, and uh, Tibbs likes Houston's package better, Maybe there's some if 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 Butler goes to Houston,
1: uh, that please let if, that happen. <laughs> if Butler goes to Houston, it'd be all bets are off because yeah, all
0: bets are off. That could be a an amazing team in a playoff series.
1: Because who who would you package for? Who would you package for Jimmy Butler? Would it be like a, a PJ Tucker and an Eric Gordon? I think
0: I think Gordon would probably have to be in there. Yeah, or Tucker. Uh, you'd probably have to throw in. Couple maybe the Brandon Knight contract. I don't even know if they're able to trade him till December anyway. But I think you have to give up somebody that you don't want. So there's there's a lot of you know pieces that have to be traded. Who knows? Trades always end up being you know greater than we thought or less than we thought. There's never exactly spot on what we the package we would have envisioned. But that could be a a game changer. But uh, let's move to the Lakers real quick. Uh, We both have them in the top four, uh, which uh, I think more and more people are coming to terms that. With the Lakers being a legitimate threat in the in the West, uh, like you said in the earlier pod, the Mean Squad kind of turned everybody off in July when the signings were made. You know Rondo, Javale, Lance Stevenson. but you can kind of see how these young players like Lonzo, Kuzma, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram are coming into themselves and are seem to be so far, like letting like basically treating LeBron like you lead this shit. We're doing what you need us to do. Right. And you know, just tell me, tell me where to go. Yeah. That could be very dangerous throughout the season if they fully commit to
1: that. No, I I think you're completely right. So I think that, I think that all all of the pieces from the young core to uh, the meme team that was uh, signed on all those one year deals. I think that all the pieces fit perfect. I know that uh, as soon as all those guys were signed in the all season, um, like we were mentioning previously, it's everybody wrote them off. So uh, I do think that uh, they they end up taking the next step. I think that Lonzo uh, kind of finds his rhythm and actually takes a step forward uh, in terms of uh, growing not only as uh, a potential sixth man or if he ends up growing into that uh, mm-hmm. that point guard that he wants to be, but I think that um, that he comes and, and and learns how to mentally prepare and be. An NBA player, yeah. Um, yeah, no, but I think that I think that Brandon Ingram takes the next step in becoming a future superstar. I think that yeah. I think that he ends up um, Lebron kind of sparks a fire in him and takes all of the pressure off of him, and he just I think that we're going to see a huge uptick in in Brandon Ingram this season.
0: I hope so. I think Ingram and Kuzma can be two of the most important pieces there because they're not to the talent level of Kyrie or. Dwayne Wade or anybody like that that's played with LeBron in the past, maybe not even Kevin Love. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe Ingram has that potential, but those guys, this time in their career, this, this, you know, this athletic ability that they have, I think those guys can really thrive as far, if they can really commit to defense and really, you know, can consistently shoot and make shots, I think it can be best case scenario for them. So Let's hope that that happens. I mean, it's going to be a fun squad. We've already talked about how, you know, the NBA is going to be dictating itself off of, the, off of L.A. now, which, you know, the Lakers are going to be on TV more than you, more than you can yeah. even imagine. Uh, but it's, it's a fun squad. I think there's a lot of uh, – if, if, if things can click throughout the entire season and, like, you have them at four, I have them at three, I think three is probably the ceiling for them. Right. Because they're not they don't have the top end talent like Golden State or Houston. They just don't. But if you can get that high of a seed to where you're going to have home court in the first, avoid the one seed in the second round. I think the Lakers have some conference finals sneaky potential there.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest difference, uh, mainly from a, just a LeBron standpoint, take out last season from, from the Lakers uh, altogether, but I think the biggest difference, and it's going to be interesting to see how it evolves over the course of the season, but I think that LeBron doing more of the, the run-and-gun style offense to where he uh, it's all off fast breaks, it's all off of uh, offensive or uh, defensive rebounds, right? Mm-hmm. It's push the floor, push, push, push. Um, I think it's it, it's a complete 180 from let me take it in the half court and go one-on-one with you, right? I think that's going to be the di- biggest difference that we're going to see going forward.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. So those are our top fours. Uh, mirrored at the top, Golden State, Houston. You have Utah at three. I have LA at three. I have OKC at four. And you have uh, – who's your fourth? You have the Lakers at four. You have I the have the
1: Lakers Denver. at four, yeah. Okay, right.
0: So we've hit all on those. Let's jump into five through eight, which, in, in my opinion, in the West is going to be – not more interesting from a star potential, but interesting from just a how it stacks up potential. Because yeah. there's a lot of interesting teams down there, a lot of interesting players down there. So uh, I'll I'll lead off here. Uh, my five through eight are Utah at five, Denver at six, San Antonio at seven. And interesting at eight, I kind of gave myself a little leeway and did mixed bag. <laughs> there's, huh. three different, there's three different teams I could see finishing at eight. Uh, but I'll let
1: you do your five through eight uh, before I get into that. That little. Bit. Oh yeah. My, my, mine's a little bit different. Uh, so I got, I have the nuggets at five. Mm-hmm. Um, like we mentioned earlier, I have the thunder at six. I have the pelicans at seven. Okay. And then hot take of the century, uh, T wolves mm. coming in at eight.
0: Okay. You think you, you, okay. Now how do you view that? Do you view that as a kind of a floor for them? Like that's, like you, it's kind of like you view Minnesota at eight as being like a failure kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I think Minnesota I think like that's last year. Yeah, so I'll I'll give you my Minnesota take right now. I think that um, I think that what ends up happening is the Timberwolves don't find a trade partner for Butler and he walks in free agency. Um, I think what ends up propelling them to that number eight seed. Uh, Cat just signed that super max deal, um, but I do think that he plays. Uh, incredibly well and looks like the future I I say future I mean he's he's a superstar in it in in the all sense of the word right now Um, but I do think that he plays and you know potentially averages well over 20 points and 10 rebounds a game Uh, and like there's no way that if he plays as well as he does uh, and Andrew Wiggins finds some sort of a shot uh, yeah. With Jimmy Butler still on that squad, I don't think they can miss the playoffs, in my opinion. No,
0: I mean, they were the eighth seed last year after the Butler injury. They would have probably, I would have say, an easy top four seed last year, three or four. That's where they were before Butler got hurt. So, I mean, yeah, I think you're right that they're if Butler stays a full season, they're a playoff team. Yes. Unless it's just, you know, well, I mean, of course, if he stays the whole season, it's probably not as bad as it could be. So, if it it gets bad, I think something happens. Somebody gets moved. But, like, I had them – my mixed bag at the eighth seed is uh, between uh, Minnesota, Portland, and Memphis. Like, Uh I think those three teams, two of them are obviously going to miss the playoffs in this scenario for me. But I think one of those makes it in the eighth seed, and I don't know which one yet. Because last year, like, I don't have New Orleans in there. You have them at seven. And and New Orleans and Portland were both playoff teams last year. They played in the first round. Um, I believe that was the uh, three six matchup. Yeah. No. yeah, Blazers having the three seed, and you know, that's kind of to me. We'll just get into those two teams real quick. I think Portland. You'll hear this in our East breakdown too, but Portland's very similar to Washington, the Wizards to me. Not in the, how their teams are built, but it's this is the last chance. This is it's make it or break it season for this squad in their current form. So I think, and Bill Simmons also mentioned this in his pod with uh, Joe House, that there's some midseason blow-up potential with Portland with maybe Dame. Get, he's, he mentioned Dame going to L.A., and he kind of hinted at it like he knew something more than just a rumor, but uh, <laughs> you never know. But I could definitely see that happening. Maybe even CJ if, if they decide to commit to Dame. But I think there's some blow-up potential if it's not going as well you know, they're coming off, they were a three seed, which you would think would be a success from last season, but they completely got destroyed in the playoffs, got swept by New Orleans. You know, they have, they're capped out. They have issues there. There's not really much room for them. They, they have to trade somebody. Um, you know, their wing talent is just they have Evan Turner mixed in with a bunch of other guys that they're not, they're lackluster. It's a bunch yeah. of mediocre role players, bench guys. And they're, there's just, they, they re-signed Nurkic. It's just not a lot of, There's not a lot of stuff outside of uh, CJ and Damian Lillard. So I think there's some blow-it-up potential. I think that's why they missed the playoffs. And with New Orleans, I loved New Orleans last year. I loved Boogie and AD together. I think that this season is the season that does it in for AD. That's why they missed the playoffs, because it completely blows up. Somebody gets hurt. Maybe Drew Holiday. I don't think Drew Holiday follows up what he did last year, unfortunately, because I'm a fan of him. He's been plagued with injuries. I think something happens and they end up a dumpster fire on the season. They lost some role <laughs> yeah. players there. So I think that's kind of how that plays out for
1: me. No, you, you can you can definitely make the case for the Pelicans not making the playoffs. I mean, think about it. Even if AD averages, let's say, 30 and 12 and has like his best year yet, because he has to, right, for them to be remotely good, mm-hmm. I think that that AD has to average 30 and 12. But I do I do agree with you that Drew Holiday can can kind of drop off from that All Star season that he had last year, and they could wait while they barely finish five over over five hundred. Um, I think that it, it, the the people or the teams that make the playoffs have to win. You know, let's say forty five games. Let's cap it at forty five games, yeah. and they can very easily finish five hundred and miss. So um, that Randall training that, that I mean that Randall signing could be. Mm-hmm could prove to be the worst decision that they've made (laughs) thus far. (laughs) You know what I mean? It could.
0: I mean, I like Randall, but you kind of throw him into a situation. And I heard this point made the other day. They, you would say their top four players on their team are Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, uh, Nikola Mirotic and, uh, Julius Randall. I could say you make it throw somebody else in there, but I doubt it. Maybe those, those four are pretty much your most talented players. We'll leave it at that. Most talented players. Well, Davis, Miritich, and Randall basically play the same position or the same two positions. So you don't really foresee them being able to be on the court at the same time. Um, so there's some potential there for, you know, depending on Alvin Gentry and his coaching staff, if they're able to figure it out or not. Maybe they don't mesh it well. Maybe somebody's not getting enough minutes. Maybe they just don't figure it out soon enough and they lose too many games at the beginning of the season. That's kind of my, my, my take on them. That's kind of my – how it plays out for me and and how they miss
1: let me uh let me let me get that um that memphis mixed bag (laughs) potential eight seed i want to hear the uh the hot take over here
0: uh well you know it's i won't say i'll say that there's a little bit of homerism in there but (laughs) the the i don't think all the i don't think that the the points are invalid so i will say that i think you know we'll get into a little bit more by the way uh you're here in the western conference right now the extended Grizz-Homer preview is going to be, you know, at the end of this. Uh, you will, we'll put the timestamp in the bio of the pod, tweet it out, uh, so if you want to skip this part. But um, my my situation with Memphis is them making a play at the postseason is if, if Conley and Gasol are healthy, which they weren't last year – well, Conley wasn't – the year before that, they were a playoff team. In the, in the six years prior to that, they were a playoff team. So if the top guys are healthy, this is a team that is – playoff has playoff potential and they've possibly are deeper than they ever have been at the wing now my condition there is yes they have more depth but is it quality depth <laughs> or is it a bunch of guys yes. that aren't that good and you know they have the young guy finally in jaron jackson who while i believe he has super he has star potential or all-star potential i don't know if we will Play, you know, put him in the correct position to succeed. I don't know. I I don't know if I can trust us to do that. Our coaching staff and everything. So that's kind of my thing. If it, my my thing with them competing for the eighth seed is that if those things line up, if the health is there, if Jaron Jackson is used correctly, if the wing depth proves to be what was missing in the past, then that's a playoff team. Yeah, and I I would you know I, of course I'd love to see them personally go higher than eighth, but I can't you know. I can't with a, you know, in, with a, you know, a, a good conscience. A put them a good mo- conscience. No. More than eight. So
1: yeah. like, I don't want to be that Homer guy. I don't want to we, be. Well, while, while we are a pro Chandler Parsons podcast, uh, I will say that uh, of course. I, I can't, uh, I can't put them in my eight seat. <laughs> That's
0: fine. Yeah. But it's going to be more setting the stage for our preview later, but no.
1: I was just going to get into that. We're going to have a full yeah. Grizz preview uh, a little later in this podcast. So we'll definitely talk about that. All right, so you talked about your eight seeds. Yeah. Eight seeds. <laughs> what, about, what about above
0: that? Denver. So, let's go to let's yeah. talk about Denver.
1: So, yeah, so I have Denver at five. And uh, where I have – and why I have Denver at five, and I think that you had them at six. Did you have them at six? Mm-hmm. Six. Yeah, so the reason I have them at five, I think five is their ceiling. Uh, I think five is as high as they're going to go in, in the playoffs uh, from a seeding perspective, whether they – get out of the first round. Well, I, I want to personally see them get out of the first round, but that's uh, for another podcast. I think Djokic, um does in his fourth year leaps and makes it to uh, his first all-star uh, mm-hmm. appearance. And I think the absolute thing that gets them to that fifth seed, uh, I think Jamal Murray balls out. And uh, I know we're going to talk about this, on, about this on a future podcast. Um, but I do think that Jamal Murray ends up winning uh, the most improved player. I think that he just oh, absolutely balls out. I like that call. I think that, I think that he's not just an elite shooter. I think that he ends up uh, having a mixed bag of tricks to where he is a, a full and competent player in the NBA. And I know – I mean, I didn't even mention Will Barton, but I think Will Barton yeah. uh, it speaks for itself at that guard position. Um, mm-hmm. I know that we've uh, – him being at, and playing at Memphis, uh, we've kind of seen oh, no. him – yeah. We've seen him a lot. Um, I, I just, I just like Will Barton. I, I just, I, I don't know. I like them as uh <laughs> He's a fun guy.
0: I'll tell you, I had, I wanted to put them at five. I, that was honestly was my, I had typed that out and changed it with Utah because I, while I wanted to be the guy that kind of was early on the Utah possible regression, cause they're getting a lot of love. I couldn't put them below five because I do think that they're too well coached. It's almost like a it's almost like a Spurs in a down year situation yeah, where absolutely. their floor is higher than most teams. So that's why I put Utah at five. But Denver, you're right. Murray, love that call at most improved player. Didn't even think about I was actually looking at that earlier, thinking of players and didn't even bring him to mind. But that's a perfect potential. Also, Millsap, who struggled with some injuries last year, who right. was thought to be the piece that come, came in to bring them to the playoffs, he's supposed to be healthy this year. They, they're one of the deepest teams in the league. They've they they brought in Isaiah Thomas in the bench uh, to for that bench he'd hopefully be healthy this season and uh, to bring some scoring potential there. They've got a lot of kind of tweener three four five you know, guard forward combo guys like you know Jared Vanderbilt Porter Jr. who's could, could you know if he's healthy this year could be could be a steal Hernan Gomez Trey Lyles people like that. They're very deep and have the potential to withstand a lot of you know, could, could, could be pretty consistent all year, which would have them at that five or six range.
1: Right, yeah. man. And, and just kind of wrapping it up with him. I think if you get a full season out of Paul Millsap, I think that you can't, you can't not have a good season.
0: True. Yeah. He's a, he's an all-star. He's a, all he was an all-star almost every year with Atlanta in the East. Uh, he was a you know, I love watching the guy play. He's kind of like that, you know, he's more athletic than Zebo, but he's kind of that mold, you know? Yeah like he's that guy that you the sneaky athletic that just grabs all the rebounds. He's, he's fundamentally sound more than anybody in the league. And, you know, really, uh, just fun to watch play. So him adding him and his veteran experience, if he stays healthy, could be, could be the piece that's needed. If Joe makes that all-star run, uh, that you're predicting that right there could be enough to get them there. Um, it's a fun team. I think they're going to be a problem in the playoffs. Uh, Like we, me and you had a conversation off, off mic, but generally in the NBA, your champion from each conference is going to come from the top four teams. Like nobody outside that last year, Cleveland was a special case, but generally the NBA is not going to have a lot of parity when it comes to the end. It's going to be one versus one or one versus two type of deal. Um, But Denver has potential to give a, a Houston or a, or L.A. or whomever, maybe Utah in your scenario, a problem in the first round. Right. So, that's um, that's interesting. There, uh, I want to talk about the Spurs real quick because yes, you, that, you, you had them out, correct?
1: I had them, I had them out completely. Yeah. I don't. I think. I think with uh, Dejounte that that ACL. I think with the ACL injury um, and the addition of DeMar DeRozan, I, I don't think that they can find an identity this year. That propels them into that forty-five win season, right?
0: No, I think that's you're you're exactly right. I I have them at seven just because I do think that DeRozan and Aldridge are all NBA level. So I think if Popovich believes in the squad, he uh, he's going to get some wins out of that team enough to, to probably sneak in the playoffs. I mean, they were a seven seed last year. They kind of fell off at the end, uh, but there's talent there. Um, you know, they got you know the, the trade pieces they got with uh, Toronto. Jakob Hurdle could provide some some athleticism and youth at uh, the big man position that they haven't had in a while. Um, you know, they got Bellinelli back. Lonnie Walker, who's going to be out for a little bit, uh, you know, could provide a push at the end of the season. Uh, the, the problem is, like you said, Murray and now Derek White are both injured. Murray's out what? for the season, Derek White may be back at a certain point, but he's going to miss a good chunk of the year. So is Patty Mills enough? I mean, I love Patty, <laughs> but is he enough to bring them to the playoffs? Do they let, I mean, maybe they let DeMar handle the ball. I mean, maybe. there's some creative potential here with this team. And honestly, would you be surprised if they were the four seed or something like that? I, I mean, I wouldn't. You, can't,
1: you can never be surprised with Pop making yeah. the playoffs or even, yeah. hell, even getting the five, the four or the five seed. But I think <laughs> I, I think that with, with Murray going down, because um, he had the potential – uh, to, to make a case for uh, I know a lot of the analysts uh, uh, NBA analysts whether it's CBS Sports or any any of those guys they made the case that he could have played for defensive player of the year so if you lose a, ca- a player like that as well as bring in DeMar DeRozan um, with an aging and this is kind of why I didn't put them in I think LaMarcus Aldridge might show his age this year with with kind of mm-hmm. integrating DeMar DeRozan um very similar players when you think about where they get their shots right so i don't i don't know if it works in year one maybe it works in year two maybe they maybe some, they can convince um somebody to come play with them but maybe yeah. not um but i don't know that's why i had them out so yeah um Makes i think so that sense. we i think that we've talked about our, our five through eight we, um, uh,
0: we didn't the one team we didn't touch on specifically was okc because yes. I had them in the four, you had them, like, what, five?
1: Yes. No, so I'm at you at really
0: give them any time. But is there anything that kind of on that team that, that you wanted to touch on?
1: Yeah, so uh, the reason – so you had them at three, right? I think you had them at three. Four. Four. Uh, four. So yeah. the reason I have them at six, I still think they're an incredibly good team. But I think that Russell Westbrook had that had that minor knee injury uh, in the preseason. I do think that that kind of lingers into the regular season, and they kind of have a rocky start. Um yeah. Paul George kind of goes the way that Russell Westbrook goes, right? So mm-hmm. I think Paul George might be kind of dragged down by uh, Westbrook's decline, but I don't think it lasts all season. Uh, I do think that like like Dennis Schroeder or um, players like that on, on the bench or um, what have you, I think they do light a fire under Russell Westbrook uh, come midseason. Uh, I do think Nerlens Noel has a surprise season. Uh, for the Thunder, I know that he uh, ended up signing with the Thunder this offseason for the minimum, I think it was. Um, yes, good, deal. yeah, yeah, good. It's a good deal. It was, it was the minimum. I think that he uh, he does surprise a lot of people. Um, surprises a lot of his teammates, actually, um, and and I think that he has a, a pretty decent year. Um, but I can't I just,
0: forget Scotty Hobson's on the roster too. No,
1: wait, you're kidding? <laughs> I did not know. I did not look. At I think it. he. I think he
0: signed a. I think he's like maybe a two way deal with him. No way. So that's yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of that's kind of why I had him at six. I still think yeah. they're a really good team, but I just think yeah. that you know Russell Westbrook and Paul George are not it, yeah. in my right. opinion. So I, I didn't mention that Andre Roberson. He uh he's yeah. had a setback with his knee surgery too. So yeah,
0: yeah, it looks like he's gonna miss the first half of the season or so. Which, yeah. in, in me putting him at four, I think. You know, And a lot of my stuff mirrors you. Like they did add some depth, but you're kind of telling – the way you see it is that, yeah, they added depth, but I still think at the top they're not elite. They're not as elite as some of the other teams in the West. I think Westbrook and Paul George, if they're healthy, it kind of build off of last season and maybe happy in their current situations. Maybe Paul George blossoms a little bit more, becomes a little bit more consistent offensively. There was a couple – there was a little bit last year of him kind of fading in certain games – um, uh, you know Westbrook's going to bring it. But I, that, that, that's me putting them at four. I think you're going to see at three through three through eight or three through seven maybe is going to be really close like it was last year. So I could see them clinching that uh, position late in the season when Roberson is back. Because I think they're, the best version of that team is when Roberson is starting. Yes. And they basically are locking you down on the perimeter. So they could be a problem in the playoffs even if they don't finish in the top four you know, they could be a problem for a team in the top, top in the top three or so. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's that's kind of where I have them. But they're, you know, it, it's one of those teams where, like, they're playing o- on opening night. They're going to be a Christmas Day team. They're going to be fun to watch.
1: I mean, they're going to be fun to
0: watch. Westbrook is he's fun. So, but I think we did kind of hit on all top uh, those top eight.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, just give everybody a rundown of where you were, and I will. I'll yeah. Give everybody so a, a, so a my one through, yeah my
0: one through eight is Golden State, Houston. The Lakers, uh, OKC, Utah, Denver, Spurs. And then at eight, I kind of had a mixed bag of teams. If I had to choose, right now, I'm probably going to put Minnesota there if Butler stays. So right. that's where yeah. I would go with
1: my eight. Yeah, so I, I, we're kind of similar. I think we varied a little bit. But my, my number one was the Warriors uh, ultimately winning the title. Two was the Rockets. Three was the, the Utah Jazz. Four, the Los Angeles Lakers. Five, Denver Nuggets. Six, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Seven, Anthony Davis and the Pelicans, and then eight the the Minnesota Timberwolves with Butler staying.
0: Yeah, so you know, top, <laughs> number one and number eight, we we're both uh, lining up at. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I wanted to just run through the the non playoff teams there, just a couple of little tidbits, uh, just to give them to give them their due. Um, there, you know, obviously I hit on the Grizzlies a little bit. We don't have to touch on them, but the non-playoff teams like the Clippers, the Kings, the Mavs, the Suns, and uh, everybody else. I think we talked about uh, as far as just stories to be aware of. I think Doncic is going to be fun to watch. A lot of fun to watch. I think that team's going to be fun. A lot of people have them as like a sleeper competitor. They're not good enough to do that. Like they're not going to. They're going to be a lottery team for sure. They need yeah. to be. Um, I think they still could get their – I'm trying to remember off the top of my head what their pick to Atlanta was, but I don't think it's, I think it's like maybe top ten. I don't know. I have to look at that. So don't don't worry about that. But um, uh, the Clippers have some potential to be fun as well. Uh, they got a lot of players there. You know, Doc Rivers. I heard. You know, I, I've you know we've all we've all been around watching the NBA as far as since Doc Rivers started with the Celtics. But um, you know, started his you know got to won his first championship with the Celtics. But you know, somebody made a point that he always does his best coaching jobs with teams with less stars. Yes. So he has some potential this year, you know, with those young guys, with Tobias Harris, with Gildash Alexander, people like that. Uh, who else did they get? Uh, Jerome Robinson from Boston College. So some potential to knock some people off and to yeah. challenge for that eighth seed.
1: I do, think that, uh, I do think Phoenix might be a really, really fun team to watch too. Yeah. I ultimately think they're also a lottery team going forward. But I do think DeAndre Aiden has a really good season. I think Booker comes back and still shoots the lights out of the gym. Um, it'll be interesting to see Josh Jackson and kind of where he falls. Does he improve his shot? Does he kind of take on a role as a bench player? Um, but ultimately, I do think they're back in the lottery.
0: Yeah. And uh, Kings, nothing to nothing to worry about there. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> that team's going to be a, a dumpster fire. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So that's uh, kind of our Western Conference run through. Uh, you know, one through eight, and, and some tidbits about everybody else. Uh, like we said, there's going to be an in-depth Grizz preview with uh, Clay Hall from our Under the Covers podcast and Hunter Mitchell, uh, you know, frequent voicemail lever, I guess, <laughs> and uh, and myself. So uh, we won't have Blake on there for that, but we'll be back on Tuesday. For uh, the Eastern Conference, same structure, and then also on Wednesday for the Futures Pod. But um, uh, before we uh, get into the the Grizz, I want to appreciate, uh,
1: thank you for being on, Blake. Yeah, appreciate it. Yo Grizz, I'm always a homer, but you know, (laughs) of course, we'll uh, have to get your takes takes uh, on Wednesday or something for your for your Grizz yeah I could I could talk about the Grizz forever so I'm gonna <laughs> let Clay and Hunter do it awesome
0: <laughs> well you're guys are gonna hear that like we said we'll have the timestamp in the info of the pod and on the tweet so if you want to fast forward it and you don't want to hear me and Blake ramble uh, but we appreciate it if you do like and subscribe of course uh, you know uh, no easy buckets in our other podcast under the covers with uh, Mike and Clay so uh, other than that here's your uh, Grizz preview see ya